you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm Devin McCourty, and this is NFL Players Second Acts Podcast. Let's go! What up, everybody? I'm Peanut Tillman, and this is the NFL Players Second Acts Podcast, and I'm a little solo today right now. My co-host, Rome, was supposed to be here, but uh, yeah, he double-booked and he left me alone, but that's okay. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Please give us a rating. Give us five stars. We're here in the iHeartRadio studios in New York. It's going down. I got a great guest. His bio was like super long, so let me read this off. Uh, played 13 years in the NFL, all with the New England Patriots. Started 205 games uh, during his time there. Three-time um, three All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl winning champion. Uh, now he's part of the Football Night in America crew on NBC Sunday Night Football. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Devin McCourty to the show. So uh, yeah, man, what's what's going on? We we had your brother on the show uh, not too long ago, and um, first thing first, who's the better twin? That was one of the things we asked him. <laughs> he 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 basically said like, and, and you can you can tell us if this is right or wrong, but he was saying he said he goes first on everything. Like like, Rutgers wanted him, and they only went they only wanted him because or he went to Rutgers and. He was trying to get you to Rutgers too, so like we we just trying to figure out who's the better twin, how competitive were y'all? Like set the story straight, and you get the last word too. So you know, I can't lie. He told some truths in there. He uh, he definitely goes first on some things. Some things on uh, on purpose. Like he got married first. I wasn't in a rush to go do that, yeah. but uh, sent him out to to the NFL first. Uh, test the waters. Let me know what it's like. I went back to school, had a better year than he ever had at, at Rutgers. Yeah. Then I became a first rounder. So he does it first, but I do it the best. Mm, okay. uh, that's how we. That's how we explain it. He probably leaves the second part out because uh, that's just how he is. But um, it's been an awesome journey, and it's been funny to see how things work out. I got to high school, and football wise, I played on varsity first as a sophomore. Mm, he okay. played on varsity first in basketball as a sophomore, um, and then going to college. Every school that you know offered him didn't offer me. Boston College didn't offer me. Kent State didn't offer me. They thought he was better. Uh, then fast forward to NFL. I'm a first-round pick. He's a six-round pick. Uh, so the, the the book is still out. Now we're in a new space in life and media, and we're still trying to figure out now who's better on TV. Um, super competitive and always cheer each other on and motivate each other, but uh, competitive. Yeah. Now, I, I he was saying y'all hold each other accountable. So this the the whole media gig that you were speaking of like how how's that been going for you 
Oh, it's been awesome, and I think a lot of that was due to him, you know, asking questions, watching him last year on Good Morning Football. Yeah. Uh, even his two auditions, you know, I watched. I was in, in L.A., and I would wake up early and watch him and then give him feedback. Even though I had zero experience, I was just giving my honest, you know, fan feedback of watching the show. And then, you know, during the year, uh, as he was doing different things, travel to London, to Germany, and he was just telling me, like, all the things that were coming up, learning into some of the words uh, from the production side of it. So he's really helped me a lot moving forward and doing what I'm doing now. So one of the things that we, we spoke about was, uh, like, have you ever had the opportunity to fool somebody? We, uh, we, we didn't get to do that in classes because they put us in all the same classes. Oh, okay. So until we, like, decided our major in college, we had the same classes, high school, same classes. Uh, so it, it didn't benefit us. And then once we picked our majors, I, I can't take your test. You can't take my test. Yeah. Um, but actually my brother's wife, the first time she came to our, um, our dorm room in college, I went to the door and was like, hey, babe, like, what's up? Try to act like an aunt. She never met me or anything, but Facebook was out by then, and she went off Facebook and studied the pictures to make sure. So when I came to the door, she was like, you're next way fatter than Jason's. I, I know this isn't Jason. So uh, the different times we've tried that people make sure they kind of study us, and I would say the people that you would want to trick, uh, make sure that they could tell the difference. Uh, we've done it like in seventh grade of switching assigned seats in class and stuff, but nothing like nothing major and different times if like, one person had to do something, we give each other our license if you had to show your ID and just be like, hey, do that. But it wasn't like a big deal or anything. But he was, so he was saying when you got drafted, um, yeah, you was, I think you was getting, you was nervous, right? Yeah. You was nervous and you needed a minute to just, so you went upstairs, take a shower, bath, whatever bathroom, take whatever, have a drink, and then they ended up calling you. And he was on the phone with Mr. Kraft. Yeah, we didn't have enough time. So, like, you can't, you can't, you know, it's drive day. You can't just not answer your phone or try to run all the way uh, to the bathroom to hand the phone. And the phone, like, just goes a voicemail. That's a bad look for you. So, um, he can't, he answered the phone and Mr. Kraft was like, hey, he's, you know, Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots. We want to make you a Patriot. And he was like, man, I appreciate it. And he said, we're going to put Coach Belichick on the phone. And that's as he was walking, he was like, all right, let me, let me hurry up. I don't want to talk to Bill. That, that seems like a scary sight. So, yeah, man, Jason actually got drafted to the New England Patriots uh, as he was already a member of the Tennessee Titans. Oh, that's hilarious. So he also said when, when, he, finally, when he finally ended up going to uh, uh, New England with you, which I think that's, that's like a dope story in itself. Like, y'all identical twins, y'all on the same team. Could Bill tell y'all apart? Bill, Bill still probably can't <laughs> tell us apart. And I mean, we meet people now, and they're like, "Are you guys really identical? You don't, yeah. you don't look alike." But we were running hills one day uh, during training camp, and we just happened to have the same long sleeve shirt color uh, under our jerseys. But given like we have different numbered jerseys on, right. and we're running up the hill, and Bill sees us, and he's like, "Can you two a holes wear different colors? Like we know you're twins. We get it." And we both started dying laughing. And for the rest of the season, we just wore the same shirt under our jersey every single day. And I would go up to him and be like, hey, coach, don't you tell us you got to make it harder in practice than it is in the game. And he would just kind of look at me wanting to curse me out. So, um, yeah, we, we, we play games a little bit on him. But I would say everybody else in the organization uh, can pretty much tell us apart. But I want to talk about the Super Bowls. You won three Super Bowls. I've lost two Super Bowls. They both suck. I, I, I've never gotten over losing a Super Bowl. You've had the luxury of winning three of them joints, right? 
what's been your best Super Bowl, or what's which one has been the most meaningful to you? Yeah, you know, but even as you say, you lost two. I I, I lost two too, and that's it's it sucks and it's sad, but that's what you think about most of the time. Most definitely, yeah. I won three and still think about like, man, I could have we could have had five if we just or I just did this or that. Um, but no, it was it was definitely you know Super Bowl Fifty Three to the win over the Rams, um, and I think two part one is you know playing with your twin brother. We used to growing up. We before our Pop Warner games, we would go out in the street. We run through our plays. We'd be throwing the ball on like deep post routes um, to just get ready for the game. And then you fast forward now. You're at the the pinnacle of your career. Like you made it to the NFL, which is already awesome. And now we go out there Super Bowl Sunday, and we doing our we doing our five that we've been doing since we were kids on the biggest stage. It was awesome. And then you know, as you mentioned watching him at the end of the game kind of soaking all in after the year before being 0-16 in Cleveland, having two win seasons, three win, three win seasons in Tennessee, never had played in a playoff game in his right. life until his 10th year. Um, it was just – it was cool for me. I felt like I kind of got a chance to step back and just watch him and, yeah. you know, watch him and his wife um, kind of celebrate that was, was a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, that, that Super Bowl was pretty special. And I like I like how y'all I like how y'all celebrated that though because he ran and he knocked you know he gets the pass he gets the PBU and you were the first one to congratulate him but the way y'all did it though it was like it was it was very subtle it was like real chill so yeah I, I enjoyed that I kind of was looking at him like man if you would have listened to me you would have got there earlier and got an interception but you don't want to listen to your safety <laughs> yeah he was running up the middle so Bill Belichick seems like he's a very fiery guy. Um, a lot of people, when I was in Chicago, people used to talk about Lovey Smith, how Lovey was just like even kill every time. Didn't yell, didn't scream, never cursed. You know, we were losing one time, and he was like, guys, we're playing like crap. What the heck is wrong? Like, he just was like Ned, Fl like a black Ned Flanders all day through and through. So... But he would he would kind of let his guard down with us as far as you know like his personality like we as players we really got to see the true Lovey Smith and he I mean a beautiful personality beautiful man is Bill that way has he or does he let his guard down like with his players does he show like a personality No, nah, he he can be like that but I think um, I think it's kind of twofold when he's in front of the media the only thing he's thinking about is I'm only gonna say and do what helps our team win so. He doesn't feel there's a need to get up there and, and run through game plans or be funny or, or do any of those kind of things. But I think guys see right away, usually in your first ever squad meeting, because I've, I've, I've talked to players who've been on other teams where head coach might come in there to start the day five minutes, they're in and out, and they're straight to meetings. Our squad meetings could be 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Like, I've been in there for an hour, and when you get in there, you get the full gamut of bill. You get – the dry humor where you're like the whole meeting room's dying laughing. You get some phrases that like I can't repeat on yeah. the on the podcast, yeah. but like he'll say it and you'll be like, did Bill Belichick really just say something like that? So, and then I think for me being a captain for 12 years, we saw a different side when we'd be in the captain's meetings and he could have something on his desk and Tom might ask him like, who gave you that? Like, what is that? And he just goes into talking about his family or growing up with his mom and how much football he actually watched with his mom. And he told us like one time, like his dad gets all the credit as a football coach, but he said most of my weekends, my dad was coaching. 
So I spent time with my mom watching the game of football and talking about the game of football. So um, a lot of times we see that different side of him. Um, I think just naturally in our meetings, yeah. you know, the big meetings, but also in some of those smaller meetings that I've had with him through the years in the captain's meetings. So you talked about Tom, right, in those meetings. Is is uh, He doesn't seem like a trash talker. So I remember we played, we played y'all in – we played y'all in 06. We go up there, and he does like a quarterback scramble, and Brian Urlacher misses the tackle. Oh, I, I remember watching Yeah, that. Brian Urlacher misses the tackle, and, you know, Tom goes goes right, whatever. He, he gets another it's one of his most legendary runs. Yeah, he, he gets another couple more yards, and then he, he gets up, and he's all fiery. Now, I personally didn't hear the trash talk, but – what kind of what kind of trash talker is is Tom Brady? Does he is he does he go hard in the paint like like a Chad Ochocinco? Does he not funny like not Chad? Not like Chad is funny. Chad yeah. could give you everything. Yeah. Chad could give you a game plan that he kind of comes in with to try. Tom's a guy. He jumps over the middle like he had to play. We played Baltimore one year where he jumps over the middle and Ray kind of Ray hits him in the back. He kind of gets bent backwards when he got up like. He's going crazy, but it's not, like, always direct towards somebody. Now, it can be, like, we've seen plenty of times him and Terrell Suggs walking down the field, going back and forth, yelling at each other. But Tom's more that, like, aggressive, in the moment, I'm fired up. It's not a plan of, like, all right, I'm playing I'm playing Peanut Tillman. I'm going to come with this plan of how to trash talk him. It's I throw a pass on him. He might have made a look at me earlier. Now I'm going back at him like we saw with Tyron Matthew yeah, yeah. when they played in the Super Bowl. It's more that kind of mano a mano going back and forth. But he was like that in practice and training camp all the time. Like I see people talk about the kind of back and forth between quarterbacks and defensive players on their team and training camp, and they're like, it's a respect thing. I'm like, not – not when I was in New England, like Tom was gonna fire you up and talk trash, and we was gonna talk trash back to him. That's how we, yeah. That like I, that's we the was, way the game we goes. Heard, we, we was so we we heard, we 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 were shit talking. Like I was in I was in Carolina one one year and we were doing our two minute drill, and I was like, you know, we was like me and Thomas Davis was going hard on Cam Newton. Like we yeah. was just like, man, you suck. What you suck? And then it was just, but I think that's what makes that's what makes your team better when when you guys can go at it. And at the same time, you can hold each other accountable. So your last game, you had three tackles, an interception, two BBUs, and a, uh, a fumble recovery. And that was your last game. Why did you feel it was necessary for you to retire? When did you actually physically know? Because I'm looking at I'm looking at that right there. I was like, man, that's a he had a pretty good game right there. Like he's still doing some stuff. Like me, I knew my body, my knee. I tore my ACL. I was like 34. I was in year 13. Like, you know what? I should probably give it up right about now. Ain't nobody gonna pick up a 33 year old cornerback with a torn ACL. Like I, I think it's time to call it quits. So like, when did you, when did you know? After having like what what looks like on paper look, looks like a really good game. Like when did you know it was that time? Yeah, man, I think early in my career, I kind of always felt like I would be the guy that didn't really play as long as, like, physically possibly you could play because I just didn't – I didn't want to stay in the game long enough that they could tell me when, you know, my kind of journey was over. So at, even at some point during the year, I kind of felt like, man, that's a good chance. This is my last year. Um, even talking to the defense a couple times during the year to motivate and, and – kind of get the season going and get back on the right foot. I think at the time I told him, like, I was pretty sure this was going to be my last year. Um, and I think that was strictly – You told him that going into the 
not into the season, but like at some point in the season, I remember talking to the guys and getting them going and just naturally came out like, you know, this game's not, it's not going to last forever for anybody. And I had now, that was my 13th year, 13th year all in New England. And when you're in one place, you see guys come and go and you see, like I've seen guys' careers end way before they thought it would end. So it gives you great perspective. And um, I think once the season was over, because I always told myself, like even how you might feel during the season, don't let that go into the offseason. Kind of reassess and see what you feel like in the offseason. And, you know, you spoke about it earlier. For me, I was very fortunate. You know, 13 years, five Super Bowl appearances, three wins. But every other year for the first 10 years of my career, I played in the AFC Championship every year except two times. Out of 10 years, I was in the AFC Championship or the Super Bowl. Time out, time out. Say, say, say that again. I don't think y'all understand, like, how crazy that how is. Crazy yes. That is. Say, say, say that again. I need, I need to hear that again because I, I need to process that. First 10 years, I was in the AFC Championship eight of those 10 years. Other year, we lost in the divisional round to the Jets one year, and then we lost um, to Tennessee in the uh, wild card in 2019. So once you have that kind of career – and now the last, like, three years of your career is like, all right, we made the playoffs, go to Buffalo, get embarrassed, and then we're about to miss the playoffs the next two years. So it was like, all right, if I'm going to play at 30, I would have been 36 years old this year, playing year 14. And I'm kind of like, all right, that like that's an old age now. You out there are still trying to compete. The only reason you're going to compete is to win a Super Bowl. Like, nothing else is going to matter. Like, last year I had four interceptions, I think 70 tackles. Like, by stats-wise, it was a good year, but – we didn't make the playoffs. So for me, it was kind of like I'm going through all of this, and I felt like I didn't really want to go play somewhere else for six months. I felt the energy, the love that I got in New England, um, I wanted to keep it that way. I wanted to keep those roots and, and be one of those guys I could say, you know, my whole career was in New England, and then I didn't feel like going back what is going to give us an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. So ultimately I said, you know, I have other passions and things I want to pursue. Um, I think this year is the year, and, you know, it's, it's been a blessing. It turned out awesome, um, rolling right into what I'm doing now. Yeah, so you are regarded as one of the great uh, DBs in the, the Patriots uh, organization, and they gave you an amazing send-off, right? Um, how do you feel, or what does it feel like being regarded as not just uh, a great player, but just like as – a, a, a great teammate being there for 13 seasons what does that feel man it's it's awesome i think especially because of how my journey started you know we we started off talking about i got my scholarship to Rutgers, and this is like not a joke strictly because of my brother it when i we we found out what well, maybe a month ago when i actually committed because we went on a visit and they offered me that sunday monday night i committed you know my brother was going to boston college the next weekend so he didn't commit so when i committed coach Shiano went to the coach that our assistant coach darren rizzi oh, he I don't think I knew that. yeah he went to him we just found this out he went to him and was like once i committed he was like we, can, we didn't get the one we wanted and now the other one's gonna like <laughs> pissed and you know you think about that and then you fast forward of playing 13 years in the organization and, and you know finishing in the top five in some stat and some categories and kind of the send off I got and and how they kind of regard me, I just don't. It's not real to me because I never thought I would have that kind of career on how it started. So uh, just hard work and believing in myself uh, got me there. But it, it, it's awesome to think of you know the ability to go in the building and, and talk to ownership. You know. 
uh, Robert and Jonathan Kraft and relationship I have with Bill to, to be able to do that uh, is pretty unique. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Yeah, so when I retired, I went to work with uh, Fox immediately. Um, I retired in July, and then I started working like a month later, uh-huh. right? So you're, you're kind of did the same thing. Like, you, you just retired. Why, why not take time off? Why go right into the, the NBC Sunday Night Crew? Like, why, why not take that time off? Yeah, I think as athletes and, and you know, we've done that we've done that for so long and at a high level, I didn't wanna have that downtime. Like I retired in March and made that decision and you know, the rest of March, April, beginning part of May, I'm kinda looking at my wife like what we gonna do? We ain't got no, we ain't got no offers. Cause I didn't want to just be stuck at home. My wife hates if I'm just stuck at home all day. Cause she's like, when you're at home, you you still think you a captain. In this house, I'm the captain. Like you over here trying to say what to do, that that doesn't work here. So um, I think being able to be regimented and get right back into it. Um, but also, no, I don't have the schedule I had when I was playing. I, I feel my schedule really doing nothing but passion projects, things that I enjoy, going to talk to high schools, um, doing different things like that. So um, I think it's important. I think one of the, the most important things is I want I want my kids to see me work. I want my kids to know that, you know, daddy's not just waking up, dropping you off at school, kids? Uh, six, five, and two. And I don't want them to think that, like, you know, to do well in life, you just sit on the couch and, you know, do something for a little while and then sit. I want them to see me always working, always pursuing different things. So when I challenge them that same way, they can see it. And, you know, I really believe people, they don't follow leadership because of what you say to them. They follow you because they see what you do. And I want my kids to see that from me. So how's the how's the gig been so far? Uh, it's been awesome, I think. Like, what's what's been one of the hardest things you've had to overcome? I mean, I know this first year, right? Just, I know this. I know you just kind of like right into it. It's your rookie season all over again. What's what's been the hardest thing you've had to overcome? No, I know. I think that's the first part, right? Humbling yourself to be like, I am a rookie all over again. I know we're talking football and I play football, but you're a rookie. Like, there's a lot of things that you don't understand. There's a lot of things. Like, I, I say great a lot. Like, everybody naturally says, that's a great catch. Oh, great play. And the producer coming like, everything's not great, buddy. And you're sitting there and you're like, what you mean? He's like, you said great a lot. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I, and I go back and watch and I'm like, yeah. ooh, five times. Like, that's five times in 15 minutes. That's a lot. So uh, I think that has probably been the biggest lesson, I think. For one, I was, I was really nervous about joining a team that was already established mm-hmm. because, you know, everybody, like, they have their vibe. They know 
how it's kind of moving, and I was just like the one new guy being added. Um, but that kind of went seamlessly. Like everybody's been real cool, welcoming, but I think that coaching is the one thing that I think when you watch TV, you probably don't first know that that happens, but it's the same thing as, as a player. We go, we go out and do the show. We get the email Tuesday night, the links for uh, every part of the show. You go watch it Wednesday or Thursday, jump on the phone with the producer. All right, this is what you did well. This is what wasn't, you know, good. Do this, do that. All right, let's plan for Sunday. So, like, it kind of it, it rolls that way into the week. Doesn't it seem crazy? Well, I don't think it seems crazy. This is what I was trying to tell somebody else. I was trying to tell um, our producer, Thomas, like, because – because we are athletes and you've been an athlete your entire life, you go out, you do something, you want your coach to evaluate it, and then you you expect criticism. Mm-hmm. Hey, this was good. This was okay. This was great. I need you to work on this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly telling him and everyone else, like, look, man, I'm not I'm – not, tell me. Like, <laughs> you will not hurt my feelings. Like, I, I run toward criticism because – I really do want to be good at this job, like this whole podcast. Like, I'm not a trained media personnel. Like, help me. Like, this ain't this ain't my true nine to five. I haven't been doing this for the last 15, 20 years. So, like, let me know. I and it's it's funny that a lot of the athletes that I talk to that are in the media, like, this is something that they they do. We go out, we perform. All right, let's watch the film. Critique me. What did I do right? How did I get it? Can it? Can I be better? What I want to be great. Can you? Can you? You know. So I I, I think it's um. No, it's been awesome. NBC, the cool thing there is everyone works together. So our show has a main producer, Matt Casey, and me and Matt will talk all the time. But we get in studio, Fred Gadelli, who just went in the Hall of Fame for everything he's done. He's produced John Madden. He did NBC, you know, Sunday Night Football, the games for a long time. And then another guy, Jim Thompson, they'll just come up to me and be like, hey, I saw you did this last week here. So, all right, now I got three guys telling me, you know, what I can do better on a weekly standpoint. And then Rob Hyland, who does the actual game for NBC, randomly he'll call me and be like, hey, I caught the uh, re- uh, I rewatched the uh, show. You know, you did this well, you didn't. So it's been awesome because now instead of having, you know, one coach who might see things one way, I have like four different people who tell me things. And then I still have my brother who, when he watches, he gives his input. So, um, And that's one of the things that, like you said, has been different, I think, from an athlete standpoint. I think a lot of people think that, like, we, we're, like, a little intimidating. They don't think that they can tell us things, like, and be kind of straightforward. Yes. My brother told me that. He said when he interviewed for Good Morning Football, he said the first day he got there, he said he told them he knew he had two days. He was like, hey, I know I'm not going to be perfect. He said, but whatever I mess up on day one, please tell me so I don't come back day two and do the same thing. And then you guys don't hire me because you're like, man, he did this and this and this. Each time he came on, he was like, if you tell me, I got a chance to fix it. And maybe that's why you do hire me. But if you don't, like, I would just appreciate any feedback from anybody in here. Like, I don't even know everybody's role or or what your specialty is. But if you see something, like, please tell me. And he feels like that was the difference of him getting the job because the things they did tell him, he was able to kind of correct some of them. And now they they watch you and they're like, all right, we could tell this guy, give him feedback, and he could go get it done right away because that is something as athletes – to make a living in football, you have to take whatever you're told in the meeting room and change it and fix it ASAP, not, you know, in three games. You got to fix it ASAP or they get rid of you and bring somebody else in. 
Now, has there been any uh, rookie hazing on your part being a rook? Like, do you got to do anything crazy? Maria ain't try to. Nah, but they. Ain't nobody try to haze you? They didn't, but one day I brought in, like, I brought in my suits and I had my big box. And Maria, she's walking down the hallway. She was like, dang, rookie, they, they'll get somebody to bring your box in for you. And I was like, I'm a rookie. I got to get it the hard way. Um, but nah, it's funny. So on the show, Maria's 6'2, Simsy's 6'5. Yep. I knew she was. Yeah. Yep. Chris Sims six five and, and Jason Garris like six two and a half, six three. Five eleven. So anytime we standing behind the desk or I'm in my seat, they got a little cushion or I got a little step stool thing. So every time we get there, Maria's like, Oh, they put your little step stool out there. So they all kill me on my height. They all make fun of me. So um but again, that's like being back in the locker room. Like getting a new team has probably been the best part um, about being in the sports media and doing the job. Cause you know we got group texts that will send funny stuff, like different things that happen, um, and it's cool getting that. Cause you do you you lose the locker room, even though you're still keeping contact with guys. You're not in the end anymore. Like you're not getting the memes because of what just happened. Like what coach said in the meeting room. Like you're you're not a part of that anymore. So kind of filling that gap has been uh, I think has been huge for me especially mentally uh, and emotionally having that. So one of the things that I, I regret was I never got a chance to do the broadcast boot camp. Like I filled out the application two times. For whatever reason, they just told me no. I don't know whose job it was if you listening. You like, Tracy now about that? I don't. I, well, Tracy, if you listening, I, I blame you. I, I'm terrible at media because you never let me get on the broadcast boot camp. So – if y'all have it, I would love to get on it sometime. Maybe it's too late because I got my own show. So my question to you is, did you, one, did you do the broadcast boot camp? And two, what would you give, what advice would you give to another player who is about to retire or recently retired who wants to get into the broadcast business? Yeah, well, for one, credit to you. No broadcast boot camp and got your own show. That's a, that's a slight flex right there doing that. Uh, but, yes, I, I got to do the broadcast boot camp uh, same year with my brother. And the advice I would give anybody that, that is even thinking about doing media, even if it's in the back of your mind and you're not sure whether you're about to retire or it's still early in your career, send in your application as many times as possible so you get accepted because – for one, the coaching points and everything that everyone tells you from day one, you sitting there, you're just learning, and then the producer sit with you is huge. Like the development and hearing things that you've never heard before on how to get better, what to do. Um, and then the second part is the relationships. Like everything that I've done since going to that boot camp came from me texting somebody that is already at a network, whether it was when I, you know, during my bye week, going on NFL Today at CBS was because I formed a relationship with Drew Kalinske, who's a producer. Text him like, hey, got the bye week. Hey, would you want to come in? Sure. I got to go do that. Like each time you get to do those things, that's a rep. That's an audition. Yeah. So I think that's that's where the boot camp was huge. And the first day you get there, they tell you that. They tell you like, hey, the people we have here, they're not just like, you know, they used to just – they're live in it. Yes, they're they're producing shows that we all watch on Sundays or Thursday. Get their information. Talk to them during the, the networking events that we have at night when we're sitting around having a drink and eating. 
spark conversation, talk, tell them your interest, tell them if you would be willing to jump on. So I think what the NFL did with that boot camp is, I mean, it's it's awesome. And it gives you an opportunity to go on NFL Network, which is another audition. So, yeah, it, it really changed my whole outlook. So when I was doing, I did Fox Sports for a year or a season, and we did live TV. And for whatever reason, I stopped listening. Like, my, I had a squirrel moment, moment and I started listening to somebody else and I, I stopped paying attention, and it was like, so what do you think, Charles? And I went, um, yeah, the Denver Raiders and the and the Oakland uh, Broncos, I, I think that's what's going to happen. They going to win, and they going to be great. Cut. And I was and after I said it, I was like, what did I just say? What did I just say? I said the, the Denver Raiders. And I just looked at them, and I remember Michael Strahan, he came over, and he was like, look. We all make mistakes, man. Like at the end of the day, like it's live TV. You got to make fun of yourself. Like it's it's people will respect you more. They'll laugh at you more. It'll be a better rating if you if you make fun of yourself. So, my question is: Have you been on live TV? And have you well, not have you been on live TV while being on live TV? Have you had like a colossal failure? Um, not like that. But I've said the wrong words or something, and. Like, I think when I went on uh, Good Morning Football for the week, I think they asked me a question, and I was like, I'm going to be in the middle. And, like, <laughs> let's say it was, like, rated from, you know what I mean, 1 to 8 or 1 to 10. I think it was 1 to 8, and I was like, I'm going to be in the middle. I'm going to be a 5. And my brother's on there with me. He goes, the middle? 5? I, I what kind of math are you doing? And we just started laughing and bantering back and forth. Right. And – it's funny though, because when they said it, I honestly don't remember if they said one to ten or one to five. Like, I like whatever they whatever they said, I had that number in my head, and in my in my head, I'm like I'm in the middle. And then I thought about, it, I'm like, damn, I don't think I was listening to the actual number they gave. And like you said, you just laugh. I mean, Michael Strahan was one of the guys. Even the producers showed me. They were like, like you can see the way he just controls and like can control the room with just how he kind of goes. He can be serious. He could be funny. He could be – like, he could just do everything. I mean, that's why he's obviously had the type of success he's had, not just in sports media, but uh, mainstream media as well. Yeah. So, uh, Michael Jenkins, good friend of mine. We had him on the show a couple times – or uh, a, a few months a, a few months back. Um, I know you've recently partnered with him in uh, Broad Street Ventures, right? Uh, I want you to just, like, tell me about why you wanted to get involved – with his organization, and I know you guys, it's a it's a financial firm, and there you it's black and brown people uh, funding. Like, tell tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think one of the cool things is just the relationship with with Malk. You know, yeah. we we came yeah, out of high school. Book, shout out, man. Just got I book. just got a copy of the yeah. book. We yeah. we came out of high school the same year, so you know, myself, my brother, Malcolm, we all played in the All-Star game together. And that kind of started the journey. And then, you know, we all end up making it to the NFL. And, you know, first we started, we uh, I collabed with him and got in the Players Coalition, which him and Anquan Bolden started, which was all about, you know, the community, black and brown people, whether it was, you know, police community relations, economic advancement, education. We were already doing those things. And then he came to me and was like, hey, I want to set up a venture capital um, fund where, 
you know, it's all black and brown led and, and we go out and we invest and do different things. And we're going to be able to invest alongside some of the bigger firms who are going to let us in and give us that access. And, you know, for me, I was still learning about even what that means. Like, what is a VC firm? Like, what do they do? So um, that opportunity to learn and to do and I, I give Malcolm a ton of respect because he goes and, and you know, he does new things. Like he's very fearless in how he goes out and accomplishes things. So you mentioned his book, starting that Players Coalition, starting a VC fund, like doing all these things. Like we don't grow up naturally knowing people right. who are just doing these things. So we don't have that example to see every day. And Malcolm has turned that into, he has turned into an example for all generations, younger kids from his hometown in Piscataway, younger kids who love uh, the NFL and love football. He's a franchisee, he has franchise, like he invests and does so many different things. Um, and I think that's awesome. So he's been a guy that obviously is a peer of mine, but I've looked up to him and, and seen some of the things he's done. So it was awesome getting to, to join him and uh, be a part of uh, Broad Street Ventures. Yeah, so I, I yeah, I, I think it's dope and I love the, uh, I love the message that it sends and it, 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 it creates for other young and black and brown people, uh, players currently that they can see like, hey, you don't just have to be football. We're not just athletes. Exactly. We could be in the business world as well. Um, where do you see yourself in the next five years with TV and or your business uh, adventures? Yeah, I think I think the, the great thing about the TV stuff is I'm at where I kind of had a goal to be. Yeah. Like I didn't envision – have an opportunity to be on Football Night in America on Sunday night at NBC the first year I was done. Like, I just – I didn't see that. I'm thinking, you know, get in get in where I fit in, wherever somebody hires me, and then ultimately try to get to NBC. And, you know, so being there, I want, I want to be able to do the cool things. Like, in NBC in two years, we'll have the Super Bowl. Like, that's going to be – a goal that I get to check off being a part of the pregame show for a Super Bowl. Like that is – like I'm sitting there. I, I want to – Full access. Exactly. So I'm like I want to be at the kind of best that I can possibly be when I get there. This year I'm in year one. Like by year three I want to be able to feel super comfortable, be able to do more things that I can't really do now or I'm not doing – um, so being able to have a, a feature story, interview somebody possibly um, for the Super Bowl, like doing different things like that. I want to get better at everything else that comes along with the job. But in five years, I, I hopefully I'm still at NBC doing what I'm doing. And I, I think from a business standpoint, um, I really have tried to take this year and I think even next year to continue to learn more and more. Um, before I left Boston, one of the things I, I was very intentional about is building up some of the networks and friendships that I have with people outside of football that, you know, are very successful in the different business things that they do. So I'm learning a little bit more about, I'm on a couple of nonprofit boards, but I'm learning um, more about, you know, for-profit boards and different things like that. Um, meeting people who have done that, you know, kind of as a livelihood and, and done it for a long time. So um, I want to, I want to be learning and I want to, in five years, hopefully like I'm in the beginning stages of doing something new um, that involves me and my brother and our families and, and, and starting something new. I don't know what it is right now, um, but we both have really decided, like, we want to really learn more and more and possibly take, like, some classes. So everything's not strictly on learning from somebody else, but also kind of, you know, put more in the bank of your own knowledge. Yeah, so my rookie year, 2003, I get drafted by the Bears and – 
go to training camp, do my thing, and it's rookie hazing time. So I got taped up, put in his laundry cart, or uh, uh, I got put in his laundry basket. Ted Washington didn't like Ted at the time because all he did was just pick on rookies. He, all he did was pick on rookies, and he put me in his cart. And I mean, it just—it wasn't. Long story short, it was embarrassing. And then, yeah, he's a very large human being. And then he got traded to New England, and I was so happy my rookie year. I was like, thank God, because he's not here to pick on me. He goes to New England, and wins the Super Bowl. So that was kind of like my welcome to the welcome to the league rookie moment, right? Welcome to the NFL as a as a as a rookie. What was your welcome to the NFL moment? Your rookie year. When did you know, like, oh, this is this is the league? Whether it would be a hit or whether it was some like hazing, like, what was that moment for you? It was uh, it was meeting Tom. Um, my rookie year was kind of not like it is now, but it was off season, kind of when you got in, where you know it started earlier and the vets would kind of be there, maybe a little earlier, but then the vets would get kind of a break and not necessarily all be there. So there was no like when I first got there, Vince wasn't there, Randy Moss, Tom, like a lot of the older guys, they they just didn't come back yet. So the first week Tom comes back, finally, you know, as a rookie, as Tom Brady, I'm not, I'm not like I'm about to go up there and strike a conversation with Tom. You just like, man, like I'm in the locker room and Tom, and I'm like, yo, that's Tom. And this is what you're reading with. 2010, yep. Yeah. I'm like, that's Tom, that's Randy Moss. Like I had some Moss sneak, like I had the Mosses, the turf shoes. And Tom comes up to me one time, we're in an OTA practice, and we're kind of, I think I'm going to run during a, um, a break or a special teams or something. And he's like, hey, man, hey, hey, man, I'm Tom. We're excited to have you here. And I'm like, what's up, man? I'm Devin. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm happy to be here, too. And <laughs> as soon as I got home that night, called my mom. I was like, mom, Tom Brady knew who I was. Like, it was just like the guys you watched growing up. And now I'm sitting here in a locker room next to him and then you know you have that moment then the next moment was the first time I got first team reps in practice and you're in the huddle and Gerard Mayo was our middle linebacker he's giving a call I'm looking at Vince like I'm looking at all these guys and I'm like all right dude don't mess up <laughs> don't mess up and have somebody get on you or say anything but I was very lucky Brandon Merriweather uh, and James Sanders Brandon were yeah, I was yep Chicago. Chicago yep yeah. those are my two vets at safety and they Used to tell me everything, get me right. Actually, Merriweather told me, he was like, my rookie year, Rodney Harrison was still on the team. He was like, you lucky. He said, because Hot Rod, he said he would have killed, killed you every chance he got as a rookie with the hazing. So I lucked out that Rodney had retired by the time I got yes. there. What were those practices like with Randy Moss? Oh, my rookie year? Your rookie year. Tell me, tell me, a, give me a story about Randy, your rookie year. Simple, beat to sleep. Rand my rookie year, you know, you out there, and Randy was a guy that you could do one on ones, and he might, he might go hard, but most of the time, like in one on ones, Randy wasn't tripping. Like you go there, you might jam him, or he might run a comeback, and you all over him, and Tom throws it out of bounds, and you know, inside you kind of like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's Randy Moore. Like, man, we went, we went to our, uh, a stadium practice. We have all the season ticket holders come in stadium practice. So, you know, it's the first time you in the stadium and it's it's not packed, but you got a nice little crowd in there. It's yeah. like third play. Bop, bop, bop. Outside release. He sticks his hand up. That's that hot hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running with him about to play the hands. This dude just puts late hands, yeah. catches a touchdown, crowd goes nuts. 
I'm like, well, that's another, that's a story. Rookie, rookie, first round rookie corner gets beat by Rand. He did that twice. Then we get in the red zone. Uh, they bunch us up. Merriweather starts making a check. I've never heard the check ever since I've been there for the the three weeks or whatever I've been there. He makes the check. I'm like, trio, what is what is trio? Hike, seven route, Randy Moss, touchdown, come to the sideline. Bill's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I'm like, they made a check that we ain't go over yet. And Merriweather was like, yeah, that's my bad. We ain't put that in yet. And I'm like, then so we – what the hell was it? What was the trio? He just it, it was just – he. so it's a call that they have. But as a rookie, the coaches wanted to wait, so we didn't put it in. All it was was lock combo. So, like, I knew lock combo. Like, I knew we had a call for it in college. I just didn't know the Patriots called for it. So when he said it, I'm thinking, like, maybe they ain't got nothing to do with me. Just stay locked on your guy. So I stay locked on my guy. I don't play the combo. Right, Touchdown. Right. So um, it, was a, it was a pleasure going against Randy because – it built me up for the season. Like, I had already got beat so many times <laughs> in training camp that you kind of, like, I, I developed that mentality to just go out there. And then week one, we played Cincy when T.O. got there. So you had Chad on one side and T.O. on the other side. So for the corners, you wasn't getting away from anything. Like, you and first play of the game, nine route to T.O., I break it up. And I tell people, like, if he catches that ball, because it was one of those where he reached back try to go on top of my head, and I break it up with, like, three fingertips. And I'm like, man, my career probably would have been different if he catches that first right. first play of your career as a 40, 50-yard bomb. Um, but, no, nah, those those battles, and then you're going against Randy with Tom. So every ball is exactly where it needs to be. Um, oh, uh, I learned. I was like, man, some of these, these reps I'm seeing in practice – they not gonna be like that in the game. This is this is the best I'm gonna get in practice. Like ever, you yes. like two Hall of Famers on the same team in practice. Like how how do you not get good? Like that's exactly yep. And then Tom used to give me little tricks of the trade of what he would read. What because you know like the great quarterbacks like Tom. He's like every quarterback reads the weak side safety. He was like, but I'm trying to find a nickel. Where's a nickel aligned? What is he doing when it's cover two or cover three? Does one corner like playing off? And he's like, I'm looking at all of that in the secondary. I'm trying to find. He said, the great quarterbacks, he said, we watch film all week to find the guy. He said, there's usually one guy that's the tell that tells everything. He said, now my job every week is to find that guy and then use him once we get on game day. And I was like, dang. And I, I used to learn how to try to manipulate and move my alignment um, just to mess with the quarterback from talking to him. Musa Muhammad, he made me a better he made me a better uh, corner. Uh, Brandon Marshall made me a better corner. Like we used to Devin, like we we used to battle. I didn't have the quarterback like you had, but I'm 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 really jealous about the yeah man. I'm just I'm 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 jealous. I'm envious of that. Like you got to. Yeah, I'm 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 jealous that you got to go against Randy every day. I played him what twice a year, and then he left, and then he went to New England, and then he went to Oakland. But uh, yeah, we we had a couple of battles when he was uh when he was there. Um, I think I kind of pat myself on the back because we played y'all in '06, and I picked Tom off twice in the game, but. It wasn't like on the corner. I got him off of uh, PBUs, meaning like it hit somebody else, hit it, and then I, I tipped it, and I got two of them. But th that's like my bragging. I take it. I take it. Those are my bragging rights. I got two picks off time. Actually, I got three, but it was one was a preseason game, and it didn't count. We played y'all, and I was in Carolina in 2015. Y'all came to Carolina. I got a pick. One lineman threw me to the sideline. I got a concussion, and that's all I remember. That's the worst. That's the worst. But, um. Yeah, I think Tom was probably the – Tom and Aaron Rodgers 
are probably the two toughest quarterbacks that I ever had to go against. And probably more so uh, Aaron Rodgers because I saw him every – I saw him twice a year. And dude was like – dude was legit. Like he he is him. He is that dude. Torn, Achilles center or not, he can slang that thing. He is a gunslinger. Like who – yeah. Who's who's the toughest quarterback you ever had to go against? Uh, first for me would be Tom, like you said. I think daily, but then it was it was Peyton, man. Playing against Peyton, my rookie year. I, don't like rookie <laughs> I, lost two I know. Oh my, God, my rookie year, that uh, indie week, they was like, all right, we got the Peyton rules. I'm like, Peyton rules. They was like, yep. I don't care. Bill came in there. He's like, I don't care what you think or what you think you need to do to play better. Or he said, this is the rules. If you don't abide by them, you're not going to play this week. And I'm like, yo, what the corners align at three yards, safety's at 12 yards every single play. Don't move up and down. Don't stay like that. Cover two, you're fine. That's your alignment. Cover three, we're going to run out from there. Man to man, we're going to stay there. So I go, right away I go to my corner coach. Man to man, we're staying at – I said, I've always been taught that's no man's land. Like, standing at three yards, he was like, that's what we got to do is Peyton Manning. And I'm like, y'all serious right now? They was like, we're dead serious. That's how every coverage is going to be played from the same exact shell, and there will be no movement until he snaps the ball. And that's how we played when we played him when he was in Indy, then he went to Denver. We did the same thing no matter what. That was the alignment, and you don't move from it until the snap. And I'm like, dude, we're doing way too much. So we come out there first half my rookie year. We got 21 points. I think it's like 21-3 or 21-zip. We're like, we're getting that Indy. Second half came, and he realized what we were doing. Next thing I know, we had to get a last-minute interception on a two-minute drive and won 21-24. It was like, I remember walking out of the game, and I was like, yo, that dude is – like, it was, it was just unbelievable. And I got an interception that game, so I was like – Man, I, I'm like, my rookie year, my, I picked off uh, Phillip Rivers yeah. and Peyton Manning. I'm like, I, you can't – oh. I, and I love watching Phillip Rivers, like his energy, how he was, and then I met him on a pre-draft visit. And, you know, like I'm just some rookie, and he's walking into the building, and he stops me and has a full conversation. What school did you go to? How would you like to visit? And I'm like, damn, Phillip Rivers, like – you're pretty cool. Like, I'm a fan of yours forever. So, um, yeah, man, Peyton Manning was – he was definitely – he was a problem. All right, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, uh, Mount Rushmore, it's got four people on it. Who would your Mount Rushmore uh, be for you? And it could be, you know, someone who's had major influence in your life, a coach, a teacher, a friend, a brother, a cousin, someone who's had great influence in your life. Mm. Uh, my mom would definitely be there. Um my my uh, J Mac, my twin brother, would be there. Why your mom? Uh, my mom. So my my father passed away when I was three. So my mom. There was three of us. We have an older brother, uh, and she raised all three of us solo. And this, I think, why my mom is Mount Rushmore, and why. And the biggest thing I learned from her was sacrifice. My mom, for me and my twin brother, to go to high school, we wanted to go to a private high school. So she was like, if y'all really want to go, like your grades got to be up. You got different things that you got to keep and I'll keep you in there. So we do that. We almost had to leave my junior year um, financially, but she somehow like we were talking about it, kind of looking at public schools that we would go to. 
And then she came back and was like, oh, no, we're good. I didn't even know what that meant. Like, we're good. And then my sophomore year in college, my mom was like, hey, I'm going to file for bankruptcy. And my mom basically spent all her money. She had got hurt on her job, so she was collecting disability. She took out a lump sum for disability so she could pay off our tuition. Um, and that's what we did. And for me, like, that is the ultimate. That's what being a parent is. That's what I've always learned um, for parenthood is whatever you can do, you do. And my mom used to tell us kids don't ask to be brought in this world. Two adults bring them in, and that's your job to take care of them. So um, she would be top of the top of the uh, mountain right there. Um, and then I would go, yeah, man, I would go with um, Kevin Falk as a guy. Uh, when I got to New England, his locker was right next to mine. Um, and he had a lot to do with my career, I think, just – Coming in, he was in his 13th year as a running back, and he was like, man, you got to build a routine, and you got to do your routine every day. Man, come on, just come get in a sauna with us. So I hated the sauna, and I would get in the sauna every day because I'm like, man, like I watched Kevin Fault when he was at LSU. Like I remember because I thought he was related to Marshall Fault, and he was a returner and was killing. And so just following him and, and what he was able to, uh, to teach me um, – throughout the years and you know I think the last person I'll put on my Mount Rushmore would be my wife um I think her ability to allow me to be the best version of myself um and in our life a lot of times you know me playing football me doing what I do now what I need to do usually comes first and I try not to take that for granted for like how we plan like how we used to plan our off seasons or how we plan this like Sundays, we don't, we can't do anything because I get picked up and I'm in the studio all day. Like all of those things for one person to always have to kind of take a back seat towards. And, and you know, my wife was a doctor. She, you know, she stopped, she stopped practicing as a doctor and she wanted to take care of the kids. Like all of those things, um, I think is why we're married too, right? I talked about my mom and sacrifice and what she was able to do and how she sacrificed. And my wife is the same way. So um, yeah, I think those people have, I think had a huge impact in my life and continue to have um, a major impact and play a role in, you know, my everyday success. So, um, yeah, those people have been unbelievable for me. Sounds like a pretty good mound. Hey, man, that's it. You're off the hot seat, man. That's You You, you, you killed it. You killed it. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. It was awesome. Hey, I'm Peanut Tillman. That's Devin McCourty. Make sure y'all tune in to Apple Podcasts, iHeart Studios. We out here in New York. That's it. We out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.